0: Gary Henry will be at our house a week from Saturday night to give a supplement, I guess, a uh, further lesson on some of the ideas about diligently seeking God. That was what the uh, men in the business meeting asked me to arrange because Gary had volunteered to do that. And uh, the only Saturday night he had available within the time frame we were looking at was a week from Saturday. So that's the time for our normal uh, study of Second Kings. And instead of doing that, we'll just uh, study with Gary and uh, he talked about perhaps trying to think about some of the things that he would say if he had another lesson and perhaps even some of the practical um, things that he has seen in his own life that have uh, been obstacles for him in trying to seek God and give us some scriptural ideas about how to overcome those things and, and uh, how to become closer to the Lord. So you can plan on that a week from Saturday night at seven. Would you open your Bible to Judges 16? Judges 16.1, now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. When it was told to the Gazites, saying, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. And they kept silent all night, saying, let us wait until the morning light, then we will kill him. Now Samson lay until midnight, and at midnight he arose and took hold of the doors of the city gate and the two posts and pulled them up along with the bars. Then he put them on his shoulders and carried them up to the top of the mountain, which is opposite Hebron. Samson's whole life was governed by seeing women, in this case a harlot. Prostitution was a figure of speech that God used to describe the apostasy of Israel. They were following after other gods, so he'd say they were being unfaithful to him. They were betraying him. Well, Samson here is literally going into this harlot. He is literally doing what the nation as a whole was doing spiritually. In fact, when Samson was not saving Israel, he was being Israel. He is very much like the nation as a whole. And it seems like there is nothing that can stop Samson from his constantly going after women and not just women, but in this case immoral women, and not just immoral women, but Philistine women, the very people he was supposed to be delivering the Israelites from. He was constantly falling in love, we say, with these women. It kind of reminds you of the riddle that Samson told in chapter 14 about out of the eater came something to eat and out of the strong came something sweet. And when the men of the city swindled the answer out of Samson's fiance, they said, what is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? Well, perhaps Samson's passion for women was stronger than a lion and sweeter than honey. That seems to be the only thing that that really makes Samson uh, operate is... You know, he wants this woman. So in this case, he goes into her. Well, now he's inside. The walled Philistine city of God. They've got him. He can't get out. They're watching the gates and everything. and, And they've got him locked in. He can't go anywhere. Well, he just, middle of the night, gets up. And he just sort of takes the whole gate of the city up out of the ground. And carries it on his back. About 40 miles, mostly uphill. <laughs> Samson has superhuman strength to do all sorts of incredible physical feats. But apparently no power to control himself when it comes to these Philistine women. In verse 4 of chapter 16, after this it came about that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, Whose name was Delilah. <laughs> and here he goes again. Verse 5, and the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and see where his great strength lies and how we may overpower him that we may bind him to afflict him. Then we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. The Philistines were desperate to get rid of Samson. And they think the key will be to get to him through his girlfriend. And so they bribed Delilah into finding out the secret to his strength. Every one of these Philistine lords, I assume there were five, there were five Philistine city-states. All five of them said, we'll give you 1,100 pieces of silver to discover the secret to his strength. Now that's no small amount. 1,100 pieces of silver was more than three times the weight of gold that the people gave Gideon after the victory over the Midianites. 1,100 pieces of silver compares with 400 shekels of silver that Abraham paid for a burial plot. and 50 shekels that David paid for uh, the oxen and the threshing floor that he offered the sacrifice on and so forth and so on. 1,100 pieces of silver in order to Find out his strength times five. Five boys. This is an incredible sum of money. They want to afflict Samson so badly. They're willing to pay exorbitant sums. If they can just find out what's the secret. So she goes to work. In verse six, so Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength is and how you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, if they bind me with seven fresh cords that have not been dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh cords that had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now she had men lying in wait in an inner room, and she said to Samson, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he snapped the cords as a string of toes snaps when it touches fire, so his strength was not discovered. Now, I am assuming that Samson never knew that the Philistines were in hiding somewhere in the house to capture him if he'd not been able to break those cords. I'm assuming that Samson thinks that Delilah is just sort of teasing him by hollering the Philistines are abominable. And so he doesn't really realize that They're they're there and they're ready to bind him. But he does know that Delilah just did what he said you had to do to make him powerless. Now look at verse 10. Then Delilah said to Samson, Behold, you've deceived me and told me lies. Now please tell me how you may be bound. And he said to her, If they bind me tightly with new ropes which have not been used then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The the Philistines are upon you, Samson. For the men were lying in wait in the inner room, but he snapped the ropes from his arms like a thread. Didn't work. Then Delilah said to Samson, Up to now you've deceived me and told me lies. Tell me how you may be bound. You can see that Delilah's really upset. She's really sad. And why not? Fifty-five hundred pieces of silver are at stake here. She desperately wants to find out the secret to Samson's strength. So this time he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my hair with the web and fasten it with a pin, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks of his hair and wove them into the web and she fastened it with the pin, and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled out the pin of the loom and the web. Three for Samson, zero for Delilah. But did you notice they're getting warm? He's at least started talking about his hair. And we know that if his hair is cut off, He was going to lose his strength. So he's starting to to get awfully close to telling him, you know how we do those things. Sin doesn't come on us all at once. We just sort of start getting closer and closer and closer and closer to the edge until one day we finally fall in. That's kind of where Samson's at. So verse 15, then she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You've deceived me these three times and have not told me where your great strength is. And it came about when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him that his soul was annoyed to death. So he told her all that was in his heart and said to her, a razor has never come on my head, for I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaved, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. That's about the dumbest thing you ever see anybody do in the Bible. He knows she's done every one of the other things. His weakness when it came to women is just almost astounding. Predictably, verse 18. When Delilah saw that he told her all that was in his heart, she sent and called the Lords of the Philistines and said, Come up once more, for he's told me all that's in his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. And she made him sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his hair. Then she began to afflict him and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him Then the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes, and they brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze chains, and he was a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it was shaved off. He didn't know the Lord had left him. I guess he didn't even know the hair had been shaved off. Shouldn't have been a big surprise to him, I think. And he thinks, I'll do what I've always done. But when the Lord leaves us and we don't know, We are weak, and weak indeed. And in this case, the Philistines are able easily to subdue him, and they're going to enjoy their opportunity. They gouge his eyes out and make him a slave down at Gaza. Isn't it appropriate that they gouged out his eyes? The very avenue through which the lust had entered his heart. It's ironic. That Samson had to be blinded before he could see. And it's so appropriate that a man governed by his eyes became blind. In verse 23, now the lords of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their God and to rejoice. For they said, our God has given Samson our enemy into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has given our enemy into our hands. Even the destroyer of our country, who has slain many of us, they, they get together for a big feast, and they make a big mistake. They claim that it's their God winning the victory over the Lord God, and that's how they got Samson. And when they bring the Lord into this in a derogatory way, They pretty well cook their own goods. The Lord that will not let them by with that. You know that. So in verse 25, it so happened when they were in high spirits that they said, Call for Samson, that he may amuse us. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he entertained them. And they made him stand between the pillars. Then Samson said to the boy who was holding his hand, Let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women. And all the lords of the Philistines were there. And about 3,000 men and women were on the roof looking in. While Samson was amusing them, hard telling how many there were inside. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me just this time, O God, that I may at once be avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested and braced himself against them, the one with his right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bent with all his might, so that the house fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he killed in his life. Then his brothers and all his father's household came down, took him and brought him up, and buried him between Zora and Ashdol in the tomb of Manoah his father. Thus he had judged Israel twenty years. The Philistines think they're going to humiliate and have a little fun at Samson's expense. You know, they have just been so hurt by how Samson has just torn them up that they they just can't get enough of figuring out ways to torture and torment him and enjoy it. So they're going to bring him for a little entertainment. I don't know what all they had in mind to do. But he's got a, a boy guiding him. He can't see. He's been blinded. And he asks to, to find the rest against the support pillars for the, for the structure, the huge temple that he was in. And Samson prayed. Now, there's something good about that. You know, it seems to me that Samson is recognizing, finally, the, the Lord's role in his life. He sees that he can't do this on his own think he'd begun to see his strength as way too personal and hadn't recognized enough his responsibility to God, but now he prays to God. And I'll tell you, that ought to be a comfort to us. If the Lord listens to the prayers of somebody like Samson, how much more the prayers of someone who is righteous and faithful to God. And what you see Samson pray, well, it bothers me a little bit. I think you can see that in many ways, although Samson is more dependent on God, there's many things about Samson that have not changed. Listen to what he says. Oh, Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me just this time, oh God, that I may at once be avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. He's still self-centered. He still says, just one more time, God. (laughs) He still seems more concerned with his own revenge than with the Lord's will and agenda. When it's all said and done, Samson's eyes still govern his actions. He hadn't changed a whole lot. But what he does here, he takes those pillars out. God gives him the strength to, to bring the the whole structure down on top of him and everybody else. And he killed more Philistines in his death than he had in his life. The best thing he ever did for Israel was when he died. He accomplished more with his death than he had in his life. And that is the life of Samson and what God promised to do through Samson, which was to begin to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines. But you wonder what more could have been done. If Samson had lived up to his potential, a man dedicated to God from birth as he was, a man having the kind of strength he had, it's hard telling what could have been done through him if he had not had this huge weakness that he had. Well, no, look at a couple of angles of his weakness. I mean, in one sense, you can say that his weakness was women. Some of the young men went to a class over the weekend and they taught me something they hadn't thought about thinking of this way. What do the strongest man in the Bible and the wisest man in the Bible outside of Jesus and the man after God's own heart in the Bible all have in common? Would you have thought that the strongest man in the Bible, Samson, And the wisest man, Solomon, and the man after God's own heart, David, would have all fallen in very grievous ways to their lust for women. That ought to tell us something, shouldn't it? That that is a major way the devil brings men down. But I think if we broaden that out just a bit, we can say that Samson's really like all of us in what seems to be our Achilles heel. And that is, he lets his life be governed by his impulses, by what he feels at the moment. He does what looks good and feels good to him right then and there, whatever it is. Samson did not think things through. He did not act on principle. Samson didn't do what he knew was right. Samson did what he felt like. And look what happened. The strongest man in the Bible. The man who had perhaps more potential than nearly anybody else that's ever lived. We see as basically a pretty pathetic failure. I suspect it's almost undoubted that Samson has been used for a lot more lessons of what not to do than he has been for lessons of what to do, because that's really what stands out about Samson's life. I wonder what's going to stand out about our life. Are we going to ultimately reflect that we are governed by what we are what our momentary impulses are and what our eyes see right now or are we going to allow God and his will to keep us under check to keep us disciplined and doing the right thing no matter how we feel at the moment. Samson's a great bad example a great example of wasted potential. And we can be in that same boat. We have more than Samson ever had. We have fellowship with Jesus Christ. We know about his death and resurrection. We have the gospel. We have so much potential. We know God's word. We are surrounded by Christians to strengthen us. We have been blessed with much in this, in this life, in this country, in this age. We have so much that we can throw away if we, like Samson, allow ourselves to be governed by our impulses and our lusts and how we feel at the moment. May God help us to allow him to control the things that we do. And would you do that this morning? Allow God's will to prevail in your life. Some need to make changes, some need to come to the Lord, and some need to change their lives. Even though at one time they came to the Lord because they've allowed the things they see to control what they do. Will you come to the Lord if you need to while we stand and say?